0: Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to come and um, Speak to us from your word. Pierce our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is talking here about a servant. said, The hour is come alone, if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my be also, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, uh, the day and age that we live, the thoughts of being somebody's servant, very demeaning. But I think uh, that, uh, you know, all I've got to look forward to in life is just being a servant. It may seem demeaning, um, the definition of a servant, this is just a, the, the, the uh, a dictionary definition, a person who performs duties for others, a servant, somebody that performs duties. Some of you kids are probably looking at your parents going, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, I'm a servant. I'm, uh, we've got kids doing laundry and, and washing dishes at our house and all kinds of things, but my mom always slides them a little money, you know, so they're, they're not doing it for free. And I always tell, I tell them all the time, you know, I say, look around, you've got a roof over your head, you've got food to eat, um, uh, you're, you're, we're, we're paying you in all kinds of ways. But uh, a servant, uh, in, in today's culture, and what maybe what, what we tell our kids to aspire to be, it may seem demeaning. For instance, we all want our kids to go to college, we want them to excel in life, we want them, whatever it is that they're doing, we want them to be the best at it. Uh, when Lucas was playing basketball, Miley was playing basketball, we wanted them to be the best they could be. Didn't have to be the best on the court, but just be the best that you can be, you know, and playing, playing a sport, it's kind of hard to be a servant out on the court, you know, you're dribbling the ball down the court, and here comes somebody else with another color jersey, and you don't just say, well, here, I want you to have the ball. I want to be your servant, and you know, you, you kind of have to put that to side, and play basketball, or football, or whatever it is. So, Uh, You know, we want our kids to excel and be the best that they can possibly be. But at the same time, a servant is so much more than somebody that just performs duties for somebody else. It's another definition. One who is distinguished as obedient and faithful. A servant. Somebody that, they're they're just obedient. You know, I look around, I, I, I know folks here in this church that just... The definition. I mean, if you could just see a servant personified, it would be this person or that, and I can start naming names. That people who they're just obedient and faithful to their calling and to what God is leading them to do, and they're they're serving others. So Jesus is talking about somebody that's going. To, he said, "If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also." Now. Somebody may ask you or may ask me, are, "Are you a servant of the Lord?" And I'm just going to be real honest with you. I'd have a hard time saying yes, because I don't feel like I do a very good job. If I say I'm a servant, then I'm bragging about something I probably do a terrible job at. but has God called me to be a servant, and yes, He has. God called you to be a servant, yes, He has. He said, "If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there'." will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He's talking about a servant. And on over in John chapter 13, he does something very strange. John chapter 13, he's got the disciples. Now Jesus, the background here, Jesus has came into Jerusalem for the last time. He knows that his time has come to be crucified. He knows that uh, that that it's it 's just around the corner, and so he he passed through Bethany and he visited with Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and then he came on into Jerusalem, and he knew that this was his last trip to Jerusalem, and he knew that he was going to be crucified on the cross, and he knew that he was the Son of God, he knew that he came from heaven, he knew that he was from everlasting and would always be. Uh, till everlasting he he was eternal, he knew who he was, and he knew what he was there to do in John chapter thirteen, he got his disciples and listen he 's looking around at these guys, and he knows their hearts, he knows that Peter is quick to spout out off the mouth, he knows what Judas is about to do that he 's about to betray him he knows that all, he, he knows their hearts, but in John chapter thirteen And verse number 3 says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Now think about, you could stop right there, Jesus knowing who he was. If that had been me, knowing who who I was, I believe if it had been me, the Bible would have stopped right there. He rose from supper. And said, I'm not fooling with you guys. Your faith is is shaky at best. They're going to be crying crucify and you guys are going to be nowhere to be found. That's what I would have done. I would have rose from supper and said, you know what? I'm done with you guys. But it said that he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The Son of God, one of the three parts of the Trinity, laid aside his outer garments and knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. Knowing who they were, knowing how they were, knowing how they lived, knowing how weak their faith was. But he knelt down and washed their feet. And as I was reading this, and I, I've, I've, read, I've, I've read this chapter, I've actually uh, preached on this chapter before. But I thought, how could somebody, how could he do that? Somebody, true I mean, you talk about a servant. If that's not the, the picture of a servant, I don't know what is. Jesus gave us the perfect example of a servant. If you go back to chapter 12, there are some nuggets that, that we find in chapter 12, I believe, that led up to, to where somebody can kneel down and wash some people's feet. Dirty old, na- I'm not talking about people's feet. We, we come to church with clean feet. I'm talking about dirty old nasty feet have been walking around in sandals in Jerusalem cruisers. They were dirty, and Jesus knelt down like a servant and washed them. But in chapter 12, there's some things, some qualities that that Jesus shows us that are the qualities of a servant. Now, let me say this. John chapter 12 cannot contain all the qualities of a servant. And one sermon cannot contain all the qualities of a servant. But just what the Bible says in John chapter 12, verse number 23, shows us what... What Jesus was focused on. One thing that he was focused on. In verse number 23, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He's talking about his body that's going to die on the cross. He says, if a grain of mustard seed, in other words, uh, you take a seed of anything, if that seed does not get planted in the ground, it doesn't grow. Unless you're some kind of wicked scientist that can grow stuff in test tubes. I'm not. I can't even grow stuff in good soil. We killed a cactus one time. That's another story. How do you kill a cactus? We killed one. But anyway, but that seed has to be put into the ground before... Anything good can come out of that seed. Well, what happens in the ground, listen, that seed does not fall down into the ground and then all of a sudden it just turns into this beautiful thing in the ground. No, it, it rots and it looks all yucky and then all of a sudden roots start coming out and then it pops up out of the ground and it springs forth to life. And Jesus said that the gra- a grain of mustard seed must fall to the earth and die before it can bear fruit. And Jesus was saying that he was going to give his life on the cross. He was going to die so that he could bear the fruit of salvation to you and me. He was focused on eternity. A servant, a true servant of God is focused. They're thinking about eternity. Listen, we, we, we're, we're, we can't always be thinking about it 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If we were thinking about eternity, our minds right now um, can't comprehend eternity. You know, when I'm I'm at work and I'm working on something and there's a problem and I'm digging into it. And I'm not. I'm 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 being honest with you. I'm probably not thinking about. Well, you know, ten thousand years from now, I'm not going to have to worry about working on this machine. You know, or uh, fifty thousand years from now, I, I, I may not be thinking about eternity. But our focus and our life can be focused on eternity. That, that's why we're here tonight. We we came to to worship the eternal God. We came here tonight to worship. The God that always has been and always will be. And if you're a child of God that's been saved by the blood of Jesus, then you are, you, are, you, you are going to live in eternity with Him. And so that's why we're here tonight. It's not a duty. We didn't come to perform some duty to get our time in so that we can please God. But we came here tonight because we're eternally minded and we want to come to church and we want to worship God because of what He's done for us. To be focused on eternity. Um, If we're focused on eternity, first of all, uh, things have to die in our life. I'm sorry. But like Paul said, he said, I die daily. And there are things in my life that 10 years ago, maybe they were alive and well in my life. But since then, they've died off. Because as we go through life and God sanctifies us and makes us what he wants us to be, uh, some things in our life have to die we die to our personal desires and one thing that stand that I think about here is to be eternally minded our life here on earth cannot be the most valuable thing that we have COVID the whole COVID pandemic reminded me of how important people's life here on earth is and we we all you know we 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 handled it in in our own way and I'm not condemning one person for handling it one way and one person for handling another way but it just reminded me how earthly minded that we are and we're we're, we're focused on uh this life and what we can get out of this life and what we can do in this life and not even thinking about eternity so a true servant Jesus he was focused on eternity another Thing Down in verse number 26, he said, If anyone serves me, he must follow me and where I am. There will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He's talking about serving. And serving means you're you're focused on others. If you're serving somebody else, you're not thinking about your needs, but you're thinking about their needs. Jesus was always focused on others. You know, when he would come into town and... um, uh, he touched the lame man, and he touched the blind man, and he, he he always had time to to take for for somebody that was going through something. I think about the woman uh, at the at, at the the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus had that. Call. He the Bible says that uh, that that he had to travel through Samaria that day. Jesus knew he had an appointment with this woman, and he was he was always focused on helping others and, and doing things. Uh, for other people. So a true servant, and the example Jesus gave, was to be focused on other people more than what we're focused on us. And that's one, one way we can tell, I guess, maybe, if, uh, if, if we're truly digging in and serving or we're, it's just on the surface. What, what are, are we focused on ourselves, Are we focused on other people? Now, if you're a parent and you've got kids... Uh, there's a good opportunity right there. You say, well, I'm not my kid's servant. I'm their parent. I'm their, kind of their, I'm kind of their boss. Well, at the same time, we, we kind of serve our kids in a way. Kids, there's an opportunity. You can kind of be a servant toward your parents and by doing what they say and things like that. So there, there are ways, practical ways, that we, we can tell if we're if we're serving or if we're focused on ourselves. Verse number 27, he said, now is my soul troubled? And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus knew what his mission was. He knew what he had came to earth to do. He knew what he was in Jerusalem to do. Jesus knew what was happening. He was focused on his mission. He said, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I'm going to say this. For God's purpose, you have come to the hour that you're at right now. Whatever it is, wherever it is you're living, you've come to this hour, whether it's, whether you're a mom or a dad, whether you're a child, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're just starting in a career, whether you've whether you're nearing retirement, whether you're retired, you've come to this hour. God's got a mission. He's got something for you to do. What's your mission? Uh, I, I feel like we should all have some kind of mission in our life. Um, and one thing about a mission is you're focused on the mission, you're not focused on the results. You know, when we're, we're doing things, maybe that God's called us to do, whatever it is, um, we leave the results up to God. And we we just do what God has us to do. You know, we, we get up on Saturday nights and we sing. And sometimes we have a few people here. And sometimes we have a couple people here. And sometimes we have more people here. But you know what? We're singing to God. And God will handle the results. And we're just going to praise His name. We're just going to worship Him. Jared's going to preach. And we're just going to glorify God's name. And let God handle the results. God has got this. I think sometimes we we, um, we kind of get in our, our in self and we want to handle the results and we want to worry about the results. When we're doing that, we're saying, God, we don't trust you with the results. But God has it. So, what's your mission? Say, I don't have a mission. My mission is to get up, go to work, come home, clean the house, fix supper, go to bed, get up. Go to work. You're living out your mission right there. How can you glorify God in your mission? Jesus was focused on his mission. He said, For this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Let God be glorified tonight. He goes on in verse 28 through 34. We won't read all the way through. But he talked about how that he would give his life. And uh, it it said that a voice came... um, they could hear it, and some people thought it was thunder, and some people didn't know what it was. But Jesus said, it came for your sake. And he told them, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all in unto me. He was talking about being lifted up on the cross. And on down in verse number 35, Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. While you have the light. He's talking about while he's talking to some disciples and some people that are around him that day. And he's telling them, I'm here with you right now. In physical body, I'm here with you. So while I'm here with you, while the light is here, walk with me. Talk with me. You know, because there was a coming an hour when they were going to take him away and crucify him. And there was going to be turmoil. And Jesus knew what was coming down the pipe. But Jesus knew what time it was. A servant, maybe they're not focused on time, but they always kind of in the back of their mind know what time it is. You see, because he used the word while, underlined while in my Bible. And while tells me, he said, walk while you have the light. Jesus is talking about time. Now, we're walking in the light today because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, walking and and helping us. We're walking in the light. So while we're walking in the light, While we're here, while we're living this life that God has us here on this earth for however long it is, it hit me today, this week, I'm 41 years old. My dad died when I was five. He was 42. For some reason, that's hit me like a ton of bricks this week. Reminds me that I don't know how long I've got on this earth. It may be 42 years. It may be 110 years. I don't know. But what I do know is God would have me to make the best of what time I do have and glorify his name, however long it is. My dad, he was a, he was a, a godly man. He gave his life to the Lord um, when he was in his 20s, I guess, uh, but way before I was born. And he left a legacy of somebody that was a servant. And... He, he had cancer and uh, the Lord took him in 1985. And I'm glad that I've got that legacy of somebody that served God. But he didn't know that God was going to take him out at a young age. But God has a plan for our life. I'm not trying to be sad. I'm saying God has a plan. And what I'm saying is, while... We have breath in our lungs. We ought to be praising Him. While we have able bodies, some of us might be breaking down a little bit. (laughs) You know, I've got aches and pains that I didn't used to have, but I have them now. And so, uh, you know, there's things I feel when I wake up in the morning I didn't used to feel. You know, I used to spring out of bed and felt great. Now, if I spring out of bed, it's like, oh, give me just a second. Just add coffee but while we have breath in our bodies we should be praising god we should be living a life uh, that's serving god and jesus gave us that example he knew that the hour was coming and he could have said you know what guys i know that the, the it's it's going to be just just a, a couple of days maybe, you know let's just kick back and relax let's not even talk about this eternity stuff let's not even let's don't even talk about um, Uh, let's don't talk about heaven. Let's don't talk about uh, being a servant. Let's just kick back and just take it easy for the rest of my time here with you. But no, he was focused. He knew what time it was. Over in verse number 42, we see something mentioned about God's glory. Nevertheless, Many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whosoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. He was focused on God's glory and not man's glory. You see, man's glory, um, it fades away. And I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of people pat me on the back for things over the years and say, well, you did a good job with that. You know, things at work, um, things in school, you know, I I may have... I remember I was a sophomore, sophomore English, and I wrote a paper. I don't remember what the paper was on. I turned it in to my teacher, and she came to me and she said, Wayne, this paper is just great. You did such a great job. I, I just want to brag on you. You know, you just did wonderful. And I'm thinking, wow, I am like an English scholar. So then the next year, I have a different teacher, and guess what? It was a different story. It was Wayne. Do you not know English? You know, can you not read? Can you not write? You just, a, you know, so you might be getting man's glory one day, and then the next day it just fades away. So we, we tend to want to work for man's glory. We tend, you know, we, maybe, maybe we want our, our lawn to be the best in the neighborhood. Or maybe we want to have the, the best clothes. Or maybe, uh, maybe we want to have the shiniest vehicle. Good luck with that out here with all the dust, right? Maybe we, want to have the, uh, uh, maybe we want to have the best job or the, 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 the biggest name in our company or whatever it is, that's all man's glory. But God can get the glory out of some of the smallest things in life. I thought about, you know, a servant is somebody that just got their master's degree and on their job they're assigned to a ditch-digging crew. And they say, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can do at this. And maybe I'll move up. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But God, God's got a plan. And so a true servant is focused on the glory of God. All things to glorify God. God to glorify himself in us. And last thing, over in, uh, in verse number 48. He said, the one who rejects me. And does not receive my words as a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority. But the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say therefore I say as the Father has told me. He's talking about the word that he spoke. The word of God. When Jesus, think about this for just a minute. These guys were walking and talking with Jesus. And as he opened his mouth, they were literally listening to the word of God come out of his mouth. I mean, can you imagine? He was focused on the word. And I don't know about you, but I know how badly that I need God's word in my life. Over in in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. It says, For the Word of God is living and active. I think in the King James Version it says is quick and powerful. Living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. Of joints and of marrow. And, dis- and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom... We must give an account. We're given an account. We're going to be judged by God's Word. That's what, that's what we're judged by. And so we have God's Word. We have it liter- literally in written form in front of us tonight. We have God's Word. And so the Word of God is alive and active. It's powerful. And it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, in Bible times... Um, a battle sword with two edges would be sharpened in two different directions. And it would cut going in and cut coming out. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I open up God's Word, and I'm thinking, I mean, I'm really feeling good about myself, you know. And I'm thinking, boy, I'm mm, I'm getting my Bible time in early today. And I'll sit down with my Bible, you know. And I'll get my daily bread devotional out or something. And I'm thinking, this is going to be great God's going to really lift me up and encourage me for the good guy that I am. And then I open up his word, and it's just like a dagger to my heart. And he's reminding me of some pride in my life or something. I remember we were going to a church um, for about three years, and we, we decided at this time in our life that we were going to find the biggest church we could find, and we were going to hide in the crowd. And that's exactly what we did. We found this big church, and we knew a couple of people that went there, some good friends of ours, and we would always find them, and we, would, and we would find a place, and we would sit, and we would just hide in the crowd. And this worked good for about a month. And I remember the preacher got up, and he wasn't one to really, he wasn't one to really, you know, one of those southern preachers to really hammer the pulpit, you know, and hammer it home. No, it wasn't like that. Well, we like we like that about him. They got up. They started. He said, "God's got me in this series." Um, he, he said, "For however long, and he's talking about pride." And he just really hammered home pride. And I remember at the end of that service, everybody's getting up and they're 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 playing music kind of like how we do you know and everybody's up shaking hands and telling everybody bye and me and sarah just sit there and we're just like oh my gosh wow it's like he's talking to you don't even know us i don't know if he'd ever met us at this point he's talking to us you know and we go home and we talk about it all week you know wow you know that really hurt there's a really some pride that we're dealing with we come back the next sunday thinking, boy, I'm glad we got that over with. We find our place in the crowd, and he begins to hammer home pride in a different way. I didn't know that you could talk about pride in so many ways. I grew up never hearing anybody even talk about pride. I didn't know what pride really was. I thought pride was a good thing, you know, proud to be an American and all that stuff. But now he's talking about pride in a negative way, and then at the end of that service, we just sat there. And we just kind of knelt, you know, that the the dagger of God's word was just piercing our heart. And we went through this whole series and, and it was like, and we finally, we finally had a chance to talk to him. And, you know, and we just introduced ourselves to him. I said, I know you don't know us, but it's just like you were preaching straight to us. And that's how God's word works. Sometimes it cuts going in. But we've got to allow His Word to pierce us in those ways so that we can be, as the Bible says, doers of God's Word. You see, because somebody that's never been affected by God's Word is going to have a hard time affecting their community around them with God's Word if we've never really been affected by God's Word. So a true servant, is some you, you're, you're focused on God's Word. Now, think about it like this, and I'm, I'm coming to a close, but the first thing they tell you on an airplane before the airplane takes off, they explain to you how the oxygen masks work in case they lose cabin pressure. You know, they're up there talking about how the, the oxygen, you know, and, and they always tell the parents, they say, before you help your child pull the mask down, And get it on, make sure you have it on correctly, and then reach over and calmly help your children get theirs on. Our first instinct is to spring into action and want to help these kids because they're probably struggling to breathe. But if we don't help ourselves, it's hard to help them because we may run out of oxygen, and then there we are. That's how it is with God's Word. We need God's Word in our life as Christians so we can help other people with God's Word. If God's Word affects our heart and affects our life, then it's going to be a little easier when the conversation comes up around the lunchroom table to say, hey, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you what, let me tell you how He changed my life. Let me tell you about this verse that God's really been speaking to me. And it may not be something easy to talk about, but you can share it because God has pierced your heart with it. But I don't know about you, but i fall short of... Uh, I fall short of being a servant. But I'm so glad that Jesus gave me the example. And I'm so glad that I have somebody to look up to. Thank you? We can look to Him. And all of our weaknesses and all of our failures, all of our struggles, and everything that we go through in life, we can look to Him. And I'm glad He's always there. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight. Lord, we just thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are alive and active in our lives. And God, we thank you for giving your life on the cross so that we can have eternal life. God, if there's anyone here tonight, God, that doesn't know you, we pray, Father, that you would just work on their heart. And God, as we close with a song, God, we just want to lift up your name one more time. We just want to praise you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. And, Lord, just for being who you are, just for being God. And, God, we just want to lift up your name tonight because you're worthy to be praised. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to stand with us tonight as we... I know we always close with a song of invitation. Um, We also want it to be a time of worship. Let's worship Him tonight. He's worthy.